You're listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com. Go with me to the book of Philippians. Go with me to the book, book of Philippians, chapter 2. And I'll tell you the long version of that story later, what I just mentioned there, but we'll let that go. Here we go. So Philippians chapter 2, just a great passage. This is a great passage. You're going to love it. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, same love, full accord and of one mind. Church, listen, this verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. So join me in prayer. Lord, we come to you now. Preach your word. Receive your word. Understand and draw close to you. God, I would pray that you would anoint me as your ambassador, teacher, evangelist, God, to proclaim you with tremendous clarity. God, that you would be known amongst our midst and receive all glory and praise. Would you help me, God, to execute this preaching of your gospel? God, we join together now as a church, and would you help us to have ears that are capable now by the power of the Holy Spirit of hearing? Would you help us to have a will that is cooperating with you and moving in your kingdom? Would you save our hearts and our souls? So God, come now. Let us be your church, your spotless bride, and do all that you intend. For we love you, God, because you first loved us, and we pray this in Jesus' name. All God's people say, Amen. Okay, so the title of this message uh, is The Selfless Revolution. And so when we come to a, bo- a book Bible study like Philippians, we generally give it kind of an overarching theme. And so our overarching theme as we've been in this book called Philippians, looking at this great church that experienced a tremendous revival, tremendous transformation of these people. So the overarching theme is unstoppable. And there's been, you know, teachings related to that, although I give them different uh, different titles. But this one really relates. Selfless revolution. If you want to be unstoppable in this lifetime and the next, embrace these words that Christ has related to being selfless. So we need, a, we need a revolution against selfishness. That's what we need as a human race and in our humanity. We actually need a revolution like that. We need a revolution putting Jesus at the center. So we do selfishness really easy, don't we, church? Yeah, so that's a hard amen, but that's okay. We do selfishness really easy. Godliness and selflessness, well, that's, that's a little tougher. I like to think of it this way, that we need a revolution of the, of the sun and a revolution of the sun. So revolution of the sun is S-U-N, revolution of the sun is S-O-N. I'm going to play with those for a moment as we're in our introduction. So, you know, at one time, uh, the human race was rather off in its understanding of what was the center of the universe physically. And so people thought that planet Earth was the center of the universe. And so a guy named Capernaum, you guys all know this from school, and uh, he, had, he was good at math. So he listened to his math teacher when he was a kid. 
And so I hope some of you will listen to your math teachers when you're a kid. We have good math teachers. And so, so he got it straight, and he realized that the earth is tilting on its axis, rotating around the sun while the earth is also spinning. So all these things mathematically he figured out. And people didn't want to accept it. It was really difficult. They didn't necessarily want to accept it. But he won the day, and now, of course, we know that to literally be true, and that's called the Capernaum Revolution. Well, we need a revolution of the sun, S-O-N. We need a revolution where we understand that Jesus is the son of God and that he abides whether we accept him or not. He is a king and master of the universe. That is his place. And we have to put him at the center of our lives. But in our humanity, what we are calling today our selfishness, we desire ourselves to be there. And we desire other things to be there, which the Bible will say will be turned into forms of idolatry. We need a revolution of the Son, a revolution of Jesus Christ. So last thing by introduction as we kind of get going. As we talk about these words that we just looked at, you know, encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, this fellowship or participation of the Spirit, affection, these words which speak of this great quality of the Christian life, we have to accept a paradox. And the paradox is like this. Life is wonderful, is it not? Life is wonderful, life is good, yes, yes. And you know what else? It's also terrible. <laughs> and so what, what happens is there are teachers out there that they, they enter into heresy by, by wanting to emphasize only one side of the street. And it's confusing and it's an error, it's an error. So some people say life is only wonderful, only wonderful, only wonderful. Really, have you lived a real life? You have to deny a tremendous amount of reality not accept that some things are terrible. And then there's those who are gonna say life is always terrible, life is always terrible. No, it's a paradox or both. Now in heaven, there'll be, that will be removed. <laughs> in heaven, it will be always wonderful, incredible, awesome in every descriptive word, starting with bowing down before the Lord Jesus Christ. But here in this lifetime, there's this paradox. And that paradox, we, we, we do really bad things with this paradox. And oftentimes, our selfishness, we pour kerosene on things that are terrible. I find it so interesting that God has the right to be selfish, but he's not. That's the point of this. So we start out with these great words, and a few verses later, you're going to find out that there's a cross. God actually is perfect, holy, right, and true, and he's the only one who could actually be selfish. These are qualities found in Jesus Christ. This is things that are mentioned in the life of Jesus Christ, and he goes to the cross to, to, to really save us and to show us life as it really is and needs to be in his kingdom. So, verse 1. We'll I'll take an outline here. We're going to talk about enjoying humility. Well, humility has an encouragement, encouragement in Christ. So, church, you need to receive that. That you understand that if, if you're going to be proud, encouragement in Christ is probably not something you're going to receive. Encouragement in Christ comes from being humble and being willing to go on a journey of humility. And so you find yourself really being encouraged. Now, here's things that we do sometimes. And I wonder if you're like this. So somebody will come up to you and say, you know, friend, you're so wonderful. And they'll give you a compliment and a blessing and a blessing. And what do a lot of people say? Oh, no. 
If only you really knew, you know. And it's like you're blocking. Or somebody might have some nice clothing on or say, look nice. You go, oh, you look nice. Oh, well, you know, if only you looked under the covers, you know. We have all these ways of blocking very simple encouragement. When we humble ourselves before God, we will actually have encouragement that comes from Christ, that comes through his people. And this is a great church. Like the Philippian church was a great church. And Paul is teaching them these things. Now he starts out when he says in verse one, so if there is any encouragement, a, a kind of more easy to understand translation is, would be since there is. So translators have gone back and forth on the phraseology to start. You're going to notice in all of your Bibles, it's not a question where it says, so if there is any encouragement, some have therefore, but since there is, since there is encouragement in Christ, since there is comfort, since there is love, since there is fellowship and participation in the Spirit, since there is affection and sympathy, these things are all things that are part of our Christian life. So I'm going to show you a picture of humility. I'm going to show you a picture of humility. Go meet in Matthew's Gospel. And I want to look at Jesus as this great picture of humility. And in Matthew's Gospel, we're going to pick it up in uh, chapter 4. And it's going to be the very end of chapter 4. And I want you to notice this. This is actually in Matthew's Gospel. We just saw the words in Philippians that we just saw and read together. Now you've got to see this. Okay, so this is in Matthew's Gospel. I'll pick it up in verse 23. So he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing. Okay, now, are you with me in my Bible? You got it? You're following, right? Healing, healing how much of the disease? What's it say there? All, right? Healing all and every disease, every affliction among the people. So his fame, so take note of it, circle fame, right? Circle fame. Jesus, at this point in his ministry, is famous. Everybody loves him. So I like to affectionately say he was a rock star, superstar, right? He was. Couldn't even move and go down the street. And so fame spread throughout all of Syria. That's the far northern country. They brought him all the sick, those afflicted, various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds from him, from Galilee, Decapolis, and Jerusalem, Judea, and beyond the Jordan. Okay, so you get it, right? This is Jesus. And he's so well-known and he's famous. So how is he going to handle fame? Right, so how do we handle fame? Okay, well, in the modern world, we're going to handle fame something like this. All right, we're, we'll probably see it with today's activities or later, but it's the press, you know, it's the kind of reporting to the press. And uh, so usually there's a screen or something behind somebody, and uh, it's got a logo on it, and the press is all there, and somebody's done something wonderful, and they're going to say, okay, Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so, you know, and it could, it could be politics, it could be business, uh, it could be sports, right? And so if it's business, it's going to be, see, well, how did you make that product, right? And then the person, you're generally a billionaire, is going to say, well, you know, no one's as good as we are, you know, because this, this is our product. You know, we, we made the best product out there. It's incredible. Nobody else, you know, nobody else really could, you know, it doesn't matter that we bought other people's technology. We're the ones who put it together, and now we're selling it to you, and we're the greatest thing ever. And everybody should just bow down and worship us. Right? There's versions of that. Politicians have versions of that. And then sports people really have versions of it. Okay, so here's what Jesus does, right? Here's what Jesus does. Now go in chapter 5, right? Chapter 5, seeing the crowds, 
He went up to the mountain. He sat down with his disciples and he said, now here's how he's going to explain his fame. Here's how he's going to handle his popularity. He's going to open his mouth, verse 2 there. I'm in Matthew 5. And verse 3, he's going to say, okay, you guys want to figure out how this works? Blessed are the who? Poor in spirit. There is the kingdom of God. You see that? You see the depth of that humility? Jesus, how would you heal people? How would you save people? Why would you come and do this mission? You're so popular. Everybody loves you. What's your economy? What are you all about? At the height. At the height. Well, let me tell you. Glad you asked. Well, blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There's the kingdom of God. That's what I'm about. What else are you about? Oh, okay. Well, here we go. Blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. What else are you about? Well, okay, the meek. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Yeah, they'll be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful. They'll receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall, what is that in verse 8? See God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now, most people read that, right? That's, that's famously known as the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes continue on. Now, I want you to stay with me as we talk about this teaching on humility. Verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, he's not done. He's not done. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice. <laughs> Be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right? So when we talk about the Beatitudes, that last section is actually the Beatitudes as well. The first section we tend to keep there. So now you got to stay with Jesus. Last cross-reference here. And I'm just going to state one small portion of verse 13 and 14. Verse 13, he says, you know why that is? You know why it is? You're looking at the show right? I'm so popular, and I'm healing people, and I'm doing gospel ministry, and I've come from heaven, and that's what you know, and that's what you understand. I've just told you about the Beatitudes, about this blessing, but here's what it's all about. Verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. That's what I want to do in your life. That's what I need to do to change your life. That's why you need to humble yourself before me. That's why you need to give me your life. Verse 14, you're the light of the world. So I'll say this just on record in terms of our negotiations with back and forth with county government. I know I told you some bad news about the whole website in terms of even taking address down. So we started having these conversations about, you know, permitting and back and forth and all of that. You know what, church, I want you to hear me on this. It's not like I like all those laws. All right? Not like I like all those laws. I don't get them. We have to hire professionals to help us get them. <laughs> okay, so there's a counter here, and you as a citizen are on one side, and somebody's on the other side. Who's on the other side? It's called a human being. Right? Somebody's working a job, and they're trying to do the best they can, and they're getting paid whatever they get paid. 
Maybe you like it, maybe you don't, but they are human being that God wants to love and save. Are you with me? Okay, so we sit there and go, okay, well, you know what? Here's the truth. County government, this is sacred. We don't want to fight with you. We want to be people of peace. So show up. Let's show up. And we're going to love on you. Because we want you to get saved and be born again and baptized in the spirit and baptized in the water and attend the ranch church. We want you to be our friend. So I actually explained this to one or two of them and they say, thank you, Pastor. Why? Because the world does business different. Right? The world is going to do business with lots and lots of profanity and lots of crudeness. We are in the kingdom of God. Our rules and our battles are very different. And we do not do battle by the world standards. We do battle by the kingdom standards. And our power, which is not of this world, resides in this world. And our power of peace and love is actually going to win. And it is. It's actually winning. And so... So Jesus, at the height of everything, and he comes down and he teaches the Sermon on the Mount. And then Paul, of course, is reflecting these very same words and these qualities. And he's telling you that you can enjoy being humble. He can tell you that you can enjoy being humble. You can have this encouragement by repetition, this comfort, a fellowship of the Spirit, these affections and sympathies. These are true qualities of the Spirit. But with that, we have to talk about God and pride. We have to talk about God and pride. So church, you have to understand, James chapter four, verse six says that God, you probably understand that, you probably complete the verse right here. God is what? Opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So that means that people who stay proud and remain entrenched in their pride over and over again, they are actually an enemy of God. If you want to know what makes somebody an enemy of God, be proud. You might think, you know, people tend to sometimes think falsely, well, maybe some sort of sin makes you an enemy of God. You know, maybe this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin makes you an enemy of God. The Bible says that, believe it or not, the sin of pride will make you an enemy of God. You might think it's something related to thievery or murder or sexuality. It's actually pride. That deep rootedness is actually true. Book of Proverbs, Book of Proverbs can be called, you know, the manual on humility or how to be humble manual of the Bible. It has a classic, classic verse that says, pride goes before the fall. All right, but the verse in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18 says, pride goes before destruction. That's what it actually says. So you might want to ask yourself if you're destroying your life or there's a lot of destruction around you, is pride somewhere there in the root system? For pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, to finish out Proverbs 16, 18 by way of reference, a haughty spirit is before a fall. And we shorten that and simply say pride comes before the fall. You can literally read the book of Proverbs and there's 31 chapters and it's constantly a poetic lesson and the joys and beauty and power of being humble before God. Now, there's goodness in humility. We, we have to talk, we just talked about our enjoying of humility and just needed to get it out that God and pride, they don't go together. God uh, is not uh, tolerant of pride. 
Verse 2 here, very powerful in terms of Philippians. So Paul's going to say to the church, he's going to say, complete my joy being of the same mind, same love, full accordant of one mind. He is linguistically making the very same point of a unity of heart and mind that would bring joy. And part of that is because this church is great. I actually have two families at church, we'll learn about this in chapter four, that just aren't getting along in church. And he tells them to help them. And he wants to teach the church, hey, listen, if there's church tension out there where families cannot get along in church, trust me that there's pride somewhere involved in that. The goodness that he mentions is joy being completed, same mind, same love, and a full one love accord. That's, all, that's the whole aspect of being united. Lastly, here in verse 3, that I kind of want to outline for the moment. So here is really your application. So by way of outline, you know, there's goodness in humility. There's enjoyment in humility. No, this is actually how to be humble. Verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Some translations, I really like it. It says vain conceit. But do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Yeah. Yeah, that's real, right? Because who do you like to count as more than significant the other person? You. It's just within our humanity. And so we're going to talk about this for a few minutes. So listen, there's some people that are so broken inside. They have, the only way I could think to say this, they just lack some biblical balance as to their own humanity. And so some people, you'll see their activity and they're giving and they're giving and they're giving, but so much of their giving is because they're so broken inside that they're hoping that they're giving and they're giving and they're giving somehow gives them some sort of affirmation that they so desperately yearn for. That's out of brokenness. And we understand that and we just love people as they're working through that. But our giving as we humble ourselves is simply to look at others and count them as more important than us. That is not easy. That is not easy in your professional life and day-to-day. It's not easy in your family life. But to actually have a mindset that says, this other person in this circumstance is just more important than me, and I need to ask God to get me there. And that's that journey. That is part of that journey. Count others more like that. The rest of the chapter will be outlined where Paul will begin to talk more about Jesus. And he'll talk about have this mind among yourselves, uh, not looking for yourself, but others because of Christ. All right, let me run for home. Here's what you have to understand about the gospel. God loves you. You have to, you have to bury that in your heart and your mind and your soul. Because in humility, you can tend to feel threatened. Okay, well, if I humble myself before this person or this circumstance, what is the natural inclination? What are we going to say? What's going to happen to me? All right? And that's a fair question. God loves you. He is your defender. The Bible says he is your strong tower. He is your defense, your fortress. All these things that are spoken of in the Psalms. So God loves you. And he has a plan. He has a wonderful plan. Church, say the word plan. plan. He has a plan, and it's his plan. So I don't know what you're going through, but God loves you, and he has a plan. 
John 3.16, families, it says, well, God so loves the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have this eternal life. Jesus would say in John 10.10, listen, there is life out there, life that is abundant, that is full and meaningful. And he would say that in John 10.10 in the context of the evil one, stealing, killing, and destroying. So you and I struggle to humble ourselves before God because... <laughs> we're a bunch of sinners <laughs> that's what we've got going on deep inside our heart and souls that have to come out and be before God so our humanity means that we are sinful and therefore separated from any kind of unity or relation with God so we are like disoriented to his plan all of sin the Bible says in Romans 3.23 and falling short of the glory of God. You know the idea of, of sin? I love this word. It's harmatia. I've been studying it for a while. Okay, so you just write harmatia as best you can. So here's how you understand it. So you probably, if you've been in church, you've maybe even heard me teach this. So the idea of sin is called missing the mark. If you've heard that, raise your hand. Have you heard this, missing the mark? Okay, great. The idea of that archer, right? And he's pulling back and he's gonna let the bow out. Okay, that's harmatia. That is sin. That means to miss the mark. But there's something about missing the mark that you might not understand. Commonly taught is the idea that you're trying to aim at the right target. In other words, there's a bullseye there. And you go, there's a bullseye, boom. Oh, I can't get that. Oh my goodness, I can't get there. In other words, you're missing the mark. That's not the way to think of it. The bullseye's right here, and you're shooting over there. Not only are you missing the mark because you can't hit it, you're shooting at the wrong target. That's the biblical nature of harmatia when Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You're pulling your bow back, trying to win in life or trying to do something. You're not pointing at the right target. You're all over the place pointing at the wrong ones. That's harmatia. That's our humanity. So Jesus <laughs> is God, Savior, and King. And so he has arrived to take on all of your sin. There's a big fancy word in English called propitiation. It means that he will actually take all of your sin and that you will know that God's countenance towards you is love. So I'm telling you God's countenance towards you is love. You oftentimes don't feel like that. Propitiation means I still take it away and I still give you this exchange of life. I take your life, I put it on me. I take my life, I put it in you. What's fascinating about that is that Jesus then would say to his disciples, okay, you want to put this in motion? You want to put this in motion? You want to be humble? You want the power of kingdom humility? You want the power of these principles? So you need to actually have an active transfer that happens in your life. And Jesus chose to do something, church. Frankly, I would not have done this, but I've seen the power of it and understand it. He says, you actually have to actively not deny me in front of people. You have to actively not deny me in front of people, not in front of church, not in front of others. You actually have to acknowledge in front of others 
that I am God, King, and Savior, and Lord. Because your acknowledgement is the beginning and exercise and ongoing exercise of your faith by which I release supernatural power to you. Jesus then talking to this very interesting Jewish rabbi named Nicodemus would say, it's called being born again. And it's incredible. And it's where angels rejoice and the Spirit releases great power. And so I'm going to pray and ask you to humble yourself before God. For some of you, Maybe you've never acknowledged God like that, and today is that day of salvation for you to do it and watch what God does. Now, others of you, you may need to respond for other reasons, but pray with me, church. Let me invite the prayer team up here so that you could join them in a few moments. So pray with me, church. So Father, I pray now, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to exercise faith this very moment, to be released from every form of bondage of pride, resistance to you. And so God, I pray for every person that needs to acknowledge you this day as their Savior and Lord and to be bold and courageous in doing so and to be free and liberated. And so I pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to the Ranch Church Podcast. For more information and service times, go to ranchchurch.com.